0: the thames valley one more time across the thames valley
1: this
2: this is river radio
1: well
3: now for some pop music try this
4: good evening welcome residents you're listening to wisdom to costa on river radio on the politically correct show Joining me this evening will be Margaret Rice-Jones, Leandra Neffin, Rani Singh, Kristen Forster and of course Matthew Barber. And tonight we're going to be talking about the new budget and what's happening in COVID times in relation to domestic abuse and sexual violence. And finally Kristen will be coming in to help us with that thorny question of how do we deal with talking on the internet or on social media. So, Kristen, how are you, sir? Welcome to to the show. I'm just going to introduce a few of the guests first, okay? So, first, Kristen Forster, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Wisdom. Nice to be here. Okay, I'm going to just switch this music off and switch off police. And police are still playing. Right. Fabulous. So, I'm going to introduce you to my guests now. So, first, I'm going to um, introduce you to uh, Rani Singh and then to Margaret Rice-Jones And then to Leandra. I'm still talking here. Look, before we do that, then, let's play you in with, great, perfect. Margaret, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And
4: and Margaret, you're a
0: trustee from which charity? Uh, Berkshire Women's Aid. Um, We look after... (laughs) Women, children, and men who are victims of domestic abuse across the Berkshire area, and also work with families and perpetrators to try and help them navigate a safe future.
4: And, and of course, Margaret, you're not just a trustee; you're also a director, and you've got a you're non executive director. So you've got your finger in a number of big pies.
0: Yes, yeah, keeps me busy,
4: okay, <laughs> and I can
0: use the same skills from work that uh, to help the charity, which uh, was very important to me in terms of giving something back to the local community.
4: Fantastic. Leandra, tell us more about yourself. We had you on last week when you dis- we were discussing uh, the issues of the residential schools and the colonial oppression of Native Americans and First Nations, but that's not all you do, is it? You're also a very expert cognitive behavioral therapist, and I understand you're just finishing a course at Oxford.
5: Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, so I do uh, Indigenous activism here in the UK and throughout Europe and, and internationally. Um, but yeah, my main job is as a cognitive uh, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy therapist for the NHS. I'm also a student. Uh, I just finished a course on psychological trauma and start the master's portion in October at Oxford. So I'm really excited about that. So yeah, a lot of things to to do in in my life. (laughs) And and just to pinpoint it, so your cognitive behavioral therapy, is there any specific area
4: that you focus on or have focused on in your career so far?
5: Yeah, so my my past was actually I used to work as an independent sexual violence advisor um, uh, for a charity um, in the Midlands. Um, and I did that working with uh, survivors of domestic abuse and sexual violence for about five years. I worked also as a rape crisis worker uh, for SARC in Derbyshire uh, before I joined the NHS as a, as a therapist. So that's my kind of background. OK, thank you. Rani, you are an independent journalist
4: who also presents, I believe, with the BBC. Tell us more. Ronnie. I think you must be on mute. Right, I'm going to move over to Kristen. Kristen, tell us some more about the work you do with um
1: <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> it's a great. Gone. Isn't it? <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, it's gone totally. Um well, um I I yeah, I have the privilege of having a certain amount of flexibility in the way I work, but I think the the um the particular bit that's relevant is um uh, I work with a, a three three-person cooperative um doing developmental training that involves a sort of psychological um interpersonal cultural elements to it. Um so um, I have the, the wonderful privilege of being able to kind of read very broadly um, on the, some of the kind of incredible discoveries we're making about the way the brain works, the way we work psychologically. And then we try and turn that into exercises and games that we can use with them, um, with various workplaces, various individuals. Um, so you kind of uh, you, you start with the individual, which place There's probably a bit of overlap with your previous guests in terms of cognitive behavior therapy, where you're looking to develop habits ways of looking at the world, framing the world to, to allow you to act more effectively. And then you're kind of stretching that out as you think about the people you're working with. And then as you go beyond the point where your, your kind of natural here and now hormones kind of shape some of your relationship, you, sh- you, um, you start to look at the way in which a culture affects the way we communicate and how effectively we behave and so on. So th- those are the things I do if, if people want to find out they can look up MTC europe on the on the internet Aha,
4: mtc europe that 's mobile team challenge I believe It we 'll be giving all of you guests a chance to talk, tell, it, tell everyone how we can help contact you and help you and support some of the work that you 're doing so we 're on to our first topic, which we 're looking at the increase in domestic abuse and sexual violence, especially in the last few years, especially over COVID. So I caught up with Matthew Barber, who's the police and crime commissioner, who's recently announced the £980,000 budget to focus on certain aspects of domestic abuse. And this is what he said. Matthew, 25,000 crimes have flagged as domestic abuse by officers in in the last few years. 3,000 child sex abuse crimes in 1920 and 2000 women and girls reporting as being raped. And organisations seem to indicate that there was a 10% increase in domestic abuse during lockdown. Are we seeing an improving situation, or are things getting worse?
2: So I think it's a it's a really uh, troubling picture, and also one that that I think is quite hard to understand in numbers. Some of the increase that we've seen in recent years has been about reporting of historic crimes, but but equally we've been looking to encourage people to come forward and, hey, and have I, that confidence to report to the police. So in recent years we've no. we've looked at an increase in in the numbers of crimes being reported as a positive thing, because more more people were were willing to come forward i'm not sure from from you know from my own uh, life that, that domestic as abuse well, is necessarily uh, on the increase but i think what we are seeing is a much greater awareness of it and a, and a much greater awareness of some of the non-violent forms of abuse uh, we think of domestic uh, abuse as uh, simply someone being punched and kicked and sadly that that too often happens but we're also much more aware of, of some of the other wider forms of abuse around emotional psychological uh, and financial abuse
4: okay now During COVID, during lockdown, was there any perceptible increase from your perspective, from the Thames Valley Police perspective as well, in relation to domestic abuse with people being locked up at home with their abuser and whether it's a child or whether it's an adult?
2: So I don't think we've seen any significant increase in in the numbers of reported crimes, but again that, that goes back to the reporting. There was a, a great fear early on and, and sadly I think this is probably is the case that in, in, in some instances people were locked up with their with their abuser but that also limited their opportunities to to either get out and report that crime or for other people to spot it. So often cases of domestic abuse will be will be spotted by teachers in schools, by by friends or colleagues at work and and of course for many people that wasn't that wasn't an option over over the last year and so people didn't didn't see their friends and colleagues, they didn't their children weren't going to school and those things weren't being picked up. So I think what what we've seen is is probably a greater hidden crime and that's that's part of that that challenge about finding what what sadly goes on behind closed doors
4: yeah absolutely i think the issue of hidden crime probably also extends to certain groupings in society where you're not advised to uh, put your hand up and say you're being abused because it's culturally inappropriate
2: Absolutely. I think you know, we need to recognise that, that domestic abuse is difficult for anybody to, to admit to. And often, if, you're, if you haven't been involved as in one of these crimes, you think, well, well, why do... And it usually is women, but not always. But why why, do, why does the woman put up with it? Why doesn't she just leave? Well, that, that's much easier said than done. Often people are in very controlling relationships. They, they doubt themselves. There'll be children to consider. Often, not, not always, what, what the victim wants is simply for the perpetrator to stop they they don't necessarily want this person convicted and taken away it depends on the the level of abuse and certainly as you say if you if you come from certain communities where where there's a fear of admitting that abuse men often who who don't want to admit that they've been the victim people in in the gay community who who often don't see this as a as an issue in same-sex uh, relationships, it, it, it's seen as a as a heterosexual issue, uh, and, and you know, sadly, we see it uh, in, in all in all walks of life. Unfortunately, anybody can be a victim of of domestic abuse, and as I say, it can take many
4: forms. That's a very good point that we mustn't sort of look at this with blinkered glasses. So, what sort of services are you as a PCC supporting at the moment? And then what are you hoping to do with this 980 thousand
2: pounds of fun? so obviously there's there's a the direct work that the that the force are are constantly doing to to try and tackle domestic abuse and and I know from my experience every time I go out on, on a shift uh, with officers that probably the number one issue for for demand is domestic abuse uh, if you if you look at the recorded figures it's sort of one one crime reported every 20 minutes and and that's a huge demand on on policing and we're trying to work through with the force and the cPS to make sure that we can get those cases to court quicker and and get a better criminal justice outcome but there's also a role as you uh, allude to for the PCC around the the support for victims we already uh, run a service called victims first which um, anybody who's been a victim of crime or knows someone uh, who is can, can use that service you can self refer for anybody who who wants help from them it's victims-first.org.uk or they can call 0300 1234 uh, and, and they'll be able to to offer some initial support potentially point people in the direction of other organizations who can support and that's where we do e- even more with the voluntary sector who, who have a, a whole wide range of, of services from you know the some of the the rape crisis centers some of those particular support groups within within those communities that that might otherwise be hard to reach charities such as such as safe who provide support for for victims and and so by by providing this financial support for them and and working with them to fund particular posts so independent domestic view violence advisors and sexual uh, violence advisors these are individuals who will be able to to support those victims through what can be a, a very emotionally difficult but also technically difficult process you go going through Uh, the criminal justice process is not it's not easy if you're a victim of crime we need to make it easier Uh, and so as well as the 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 emotional support there's a lot of practical support out there for people
4: now nine hundred and eighty thousand pounds seems like a lot of money and it's obviously pigeonholed within to certain areas who are you going to be approaching what would be yours to to consult with how you should use this and who will be involved in helping you develop your strategy
2: sure so this particular funding is is in response to a a needs assessment that we we've already carried out looking at what services were available what victims were telling us that they needed and and where charities were were identifying gaps in the in the services that were available and it's a particular grant from the ministry of justice and it touches on some of those areas i've already i've already talked about victim male victims of domestic abuse people from ethnic minorities people from the gay community who, who maybe don't feel they want to want to report in in, in the usual ways, and that perhaps they feel there isn't the support out there for them. But we have we have a wider funding uh, stream available. So uh, we have nearly three million pounds that we provide to in, in the form of victim services every year, and we work very closely, as I say, with with those victims groups who who advocate on behalf uh, of victims, working closely with the police to make sure that they're when they're dealing with with cases, you know, they will know the services that they're looking to refer people into for for additional support, uh, and looking at those crime trends uh, you know are we are we seeing changes in in domestic abuse is it less physical violence is it is it more emotional uh, abuse and trying to tailor those services to to the needs of victims
4: so basically what you're saying is that £980, 000, the 000 pounds of strategy has already been set out for its use are you actually going to be reviewing this not just the 980 but the bigger situation to try and revise your strategy with other organizations like boxers women women's aid and other groups so that you've got a put your finger on the pulse every stage in the next few years.
2: Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Our, our commissioning cycle, as as it were, in the, in the OPCC is is, re- is is an ongoing piece of work. So we we we're constantly reviewing the the contracts we've got in place with those support services, and we're looking at the the services we provide ourselves through Victims First. Uh, and so, you know, o- over the coming months, we will be uh, looking at refreshing that strategy and, and wanting to you know, to seek the views, particularly of victims, particularly of those those groups that that are out there supporting them.
4: Okay. Do you see that there are any service or funding gaps in the strategy at the moment, things that are emerging? I,
2: I think not Not necessarily gaps. I think one of the things where I'm, and I'm really keen to work very closely with local authorities who provide an awful lot of support for victims of domestic abuse is, is making sure that we don't have duplication. Uh, because there's actually uh, there's a lot of money out there to to support victims but we but we need that joined up approach so I think there's an opportunity in refreshing our our strategy to funding across the across the Thames Valley as the police and crime commissioner that we that we make sure that we we're talking to local authorities understanding what funding streams they've got available and where where they're putting their money and 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 seeking to commission jointly where where appropriate so that we not not just fill any gaps but make sure there isn't unnecessary duplication so we can spread the money as widely as possible
4: okay now there's two aspects to domestic abuse in fact anything one is that you've got the narrow field of the individuals who are directly involved and you've got a slightly wider field with the children who are indirectly involved Mm. and of course you've got the longer term impacts of the of the abuse on individuals especially for children as they grow up into society what sort of things are you looking at to help children who are the secondary victims of domestic abuse
2: yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, often, sadly, you know, ch- children will be victims of abuse themselves. But but you know, I've I've heard firsthand some of the some of the horrific tales of, of people who who have seen abuse between their parents and the impact that has on their lives as they're growing up, how how they how they interpret relationships, what they think is normal, and and very sadly, we've often seen um, those who've witnessed abuse or been abused themselves, who who may go on to to. The perpetrators of of such offences in the future so it's really important i think you're, you're right there's that initial support that needs to be in place for child witnesses of of domestic abuse wherever possible and there are some there are some issues there around around the legislation and, and the support but we've got some uh, specialist services that, that look to support particularly uh, young children sort of from the age of uh, five to 18 who've, who've been victims but i think there's a there's a longer term piece of work for for all agencies in society to look at those people who have had those, what are known as ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, because we know that they will impact them potentially for the rest of their lives. And and sadly, those children maybe will be the ones who go on to to be <laughs> involved with drug crime involved with county line gangs who who may be exploited themselves and so uh, there's a lot of work we're doing also through our violence reduction units to try and identify some of those some of those uh, places that we can we can intervene early to try and make sure that we don't just deal with the initial trauma but we make sure that it, we can limit the long-term impacts
4: and is that something that the office of the PCC is responsible for or is that something that you think you need to work with local authorities and other agencies, as you, as you said, to try and deal with this longer term, deeper, more uh, pervasive piece of you know, work, so to speak
2: yeah i i think it's i don't think any one organization has has responsibility or or has all the answers for for these issues frankly it's something that i have the i have the the luxury and the privilege as as pcc of being able to to pull people together across the thames valley and and i think it's the ability to to bring all those agencies together that is the the strength of the position that i'm fortunate enough to hold so that we can try and coordinate some of that work so there's a a lot of stuff that goes on in the nhs in local authorities with the police with in, in education and it's a about making sure that all of those all those approaches are are properly lined up so that the schools know what's been going on at home so that the, the the social care know about the issues when someone becomes involved with the police and and linking all of that up is the only way we can we can really deal with this issue
4: okay Matthew thank you so much for appearing on the show we appreciate you being so candid in terms of explaining what it is you're doing the strategy you've got and of course as always your collaboration with other people and other groups thank you very much for being here
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you.
4: Thanks. Well, that was Matthew Barber speaking to me earlier on, and as as I said, talking about the nine hundred eighty thousand pound budget and how that's going to be spent, and it looks as if the the spending of that's already been earmarked based on a previous strategy. But good to hear that he's also talking about a wider strategy collaboration in collaboration with other groups like Berkshire Women's Aid uh, f- to help develop a, a future strategy to pick out mm. the bits that were missing. Margaret, if I can just come to you, what are your thoughts about what Matthew said? Are we covering all the areas? Yeah, well, I mean, I I have to say I completely
0: agree with pretty much everything he said. Um, I think he's highlighting, you know, a lot of the key areas there, both in terms of, you know, groups that we find it harder to reach within the community. And we know that within the people who come to us as as clients, then you know there are there are certain groups that are underrepresented, including men as victims, the LGBTQ plus uh, community, um, some uh, elements of the disabled communities. Uh, we do quite a lot of work in the in the BAME area, and we have a number of specialist workers and people with specialist language skills. So I think in terms of of our work, there's there's less underrepresentation there, but you know I'm encouraged to hear that he's going to focus that money towards some of those people who find it harder to come forward. Um, I think perhaps the one area where um, I agreed with what he said, but I think more funding is still required, is the area of work with children. Um, we are one of the agencies that works with children, but our waiting list to um help someone who is a child who is referred to us is currently 6 months
4: long when you say children um, what what aspect of the work we're talking about children who have suffered abuse or who are indirectly affected by seeing their mother or their father being battered or or, or intimidated in yeah, some suppose, other
0: way yeah i mean children who grow up within an abusive um in an abusive environment um probably at least half of them will at some point be a, a subject to some kind of abuse themselves um and and certainly all of them will be aware of the abuse going on within the household i think often um parents think that they're hiding it from their children um but you know it's rarely the case the children are almost always aware of what's going on how does uh, this
4: impact children
0: It impacts them in very deep ways. Um, You know, you see behavior coming through that they find it um, hard to concentrate at school. Um, Some of them who are older can go on to truant. That tends to lead to children underperforming at school in terms of what their capability was, it can lead to low self-esteem issues. It can also lead to a uh, other aggressive behaviour um, that you see in some people that can then lead on to youth offending and be- the circle continuing and people becoming perpetrators. So I think Matthew referred to something that, that within the sort of sector is called ACEs. Yep. But, you know, all of the a lot of the elements of growing up in domestic abuse would uh, would contribute to uh, to those um those adverse early events in childhood and and we know that by intervening early to to help some of those children we can significantly improve their concentration at school yeah you know, we can help them to handle the aggression or the conflicts that they may be feeling in their you know, some of them you find teenage boys who feel that, you know, they were at fault for not being able to protect their mother, for example, and, you know, suffer from real uh, anxiety and other issues regarded uh, related to that. So we know that if we can intervene early and help children to understand and deal with the emotions that they feel as a result of, of witnessing that abuse we can significantly improve their chances going forward um to you know to be able to lead happy and successful lives themselves i'm just going to bring
4: kristen forster here yeah. kristen
1: yeah thanks uh, thank you very much wisdom and uh, thank you margaret for for bringing a subject which uh uh when uh, when matthew was raising it was kind of kicking off all sorts of things in my head because um it's just before lockdown, um, my, my company, MTC, we, um, we co-hosted with Get Berkshire Active um, uh, a, a day for sports coaches, sounds an odd thing, but actually the focus, we brought an American psychologist over who um, helped develop some of our own kind of training techniques, and we were looking, uh, and, and the, the aces kind of basically dominated the day, um, as we were kind of unpacking the situation, we... we, we, we if we t- we need to look at the bigger kind of the system side of things, because there's a, a level of prevention, but there's also we we are kind of facing an almost perfect storm, if that's not a tr- trivializing way of describing it, um, that there are issues in technology, there are issues in social change, um, and um, some of those are, are creating an increased number or cre- increased frequency um, of of uh, of adverse childhood experiences. four children and there's a kind of a general rule of thumb and it is a bit of a finger in the air which is you know that because children are quite resilient and very often you can say well they can cope with one ace every six months or so but if you get say three in the same then actually there is evidence that it shows it you can actually kind of mark within the brain from an from an epigenetic point of view that there has been a a, a kind of a, a neurological shift and a change which actually requires quite intensive um therapeutic intervention later on in in life and just because of the the way in which so many of these things are changing um we're actually kind of heading to a place where more and more young people will go through those so to take to to flip the, the coin over there's a kind of prevention side what we were looking at was what can you do in terms of coaching to actually increase resilience because actually the 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 level at which a child experiences something um also is kind of affected by the tools it has in place to be able to decatastrophize to frame things um, to change the meaning of events in their in their lives they can't change the events but they can sometimes change the meaning and so we, we were kind of addressing some of those issues and that, that really kind of also ties in then a little bit with where we're perhaps going to finish about which is around uh, um, the, the conversations on social media because um the lady we brought over, um, she actually does work in a sort of um, in the area of, of um, social psychology, and there's a sort of a, there is a social dynamic to the language we use um, all over the world. Studies mm-hmm. have been done where there's been atrocities and, and genocides and so on, and, and it almost always starts with language that, that kind of dehumanizes, devalues, um, and, and so there is a there's a very obvious language level at one level, but there's a broader one as well, um, and there are ways in which we can kind of coach people to talk <laughs> okay. that becomes better for them if I can put it so, that way
4: so Kristen and I'm putting this question out to everybody Kristen are you saying that actually when we look at the there is a very level of resilience with our children but when you look at the number of uh, impacts through society that you've got this large spectrum of problems which are, are growing and at one end I shouldn't say one end but at one part of that spectrum you've got children who have been the um, observers of domestic abuse Mm -hmm.
1: or or, or even the victims of abuse Um, and and so i and it's very difficult to talk about without it sounding like you're trivializing by comparing but with with aces we kind of cover a wide range of things but the 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 real impact is is that um we, we are we are rapidly losing some of the the skills that that children developed in terms of resilience um, and we need to be deliberate at putting some of those back. Okay. Um, so th- this is one of the things we we're looking at. We get Barcher Active because they have loads of sports clubs. Now, of course, the trouble is you miss out a whole swathe of kids who are whose parents won't even involve them in those other activities. But sure. to try and... Um, coaches who one of those professions that are often seen a bit suspiciously, but actually if you can turn them into being proactively developing um, an, an ability to... to Bring into the children by by the use of positive questions, um, rather than just blanket sort of um, encouragement, which they become cynical about very okay. quickly. This kind of techniques. So there, I think, really, what I'm driving at is there is a, there is a, there is a therapeutic positive which doesn't solve all the issues. It doesn't mean that they're not bad ones, but actually, it has to be part of the mix because you can't prevent everything. You've got to somehow put strength in.
4: Okay. Mark, would you agree with that? Leandra, would you agree with that? Do you think that we can use these therapies? Can we actually identify with children? Do you have enough money to actually implement these for all of the children who may have a need?
0: Uh, no, you can definitely intervene very positively with children who um, you know, who have seen this abuse and are currently suffering at home if you have the resources to do so. And and we do both one-to-one work and and group work with children, um, largely based in the school where they're at, which is a place they feel safe, familiar and supported and and helps the the school to be very aware of what's going on. But um, as I said, we have a six-month waiting list for children who've already been referred to us. Um, So that's only growing, uh, but we're limited by the funding that we have. And the majority of our children's work is funded by private or public donations, not by statutory funding. Um, You you know, Matthew referred to social services as, as part of this mix, but at least half of the children... Who we are working with are not known to for social services. Don't have a social worker, and and fall outside of you know any funding that that comes through children's social services. How much money do you need, and what sort
4: of boroughs would that cover?
0: Um, well, we cover we cover West Berkshire, uh, we cover Woking, and we cover Bracknell, um, and we cover Reading.
4: Mm-hmm. And how much money do you think would be helpful to really take away this? Backlog of six months, and of course, possibly deal with other children.
0: Yeah, I mean, but if we could get another sort of fifty thousand a year, it would make a big difference to uh, to the overall work. We'd be able to. Uh, employ another couple of children's workers and that would make a big difference to uh to beginning to eat into to the the backlog uh, that we have but you know we we could expand further than that if we had more staff you know we work with with a, a certain number of schools and we know that there is more need out there than we're able to uh to cover so um you know uh an extra, uh, an
4: extra fifty to a hundred thousand would be wonderful. Mm. Great, uh, and I have to put it out there: if you're listening in and you've got an extra fifty or hundred thousand pounds, Matthew, if you're listening and you want to put that into your program strategy for the next few years, whoever is out there, another hundred thousand pounds would really help set up our children and protect them from the worst ravages of the time that they're going through. Mark, I want you to ask another question: for some children, this is going to come too late; they are already adults what sort of um, help can they have and how they can they self-identify or, you know, behaviors in their lives which say, actually, do you know what, you need to go and get some help?
0: Well, I mean, I think this can manifest in a number of ways. Um, you know, we see people who, as I say, fall into a cycle where having seen abuse in their early years, they become abused themselves. And, Matthew was quite right to point out that you know the definition of domestic abuse goes well beyond physical violence to things like coercive control where uh, and there, there's a good link here to the technology side where for example somebody will monitor every phone call or contact that somebody has with the outside world to seek to control uh, where they go what they do they'll be constantly questioned um, yeah there was an example um once where uh, during lockdown we took into refuge a uh, a woman and child who met our worker uh, in the supermarket car park to take her into refuge because that was the only time she was allowed out of the house and she'd made contact with us through social media because when the uh when the when the partner had fallen asleep on the sofa because she was unable to talk to anyone or um, reach out in any other way to anyone. And so, you know, that's an example of someone who had had not suffered physical abuse, but had suffered very significant uh, controlling behavior and uh, emotional and financial abuse. She had no independence whatsoever. Um, I think it is often when someone else begins to question something that people realise or when levels of abuse escalate to a point where um, the impact starts to be very uh, obvious or children start to mention it, or often some of the triggers. Uh, We know that any woman before she reports a crime will probably have been abused at least seven times before. Um, so, you know, when you look at crime statistics, it's very underreported in terms of the actual instances of abuse. Uh, and for some people, they will have been abused for multiple years before they come forward and, and seek support. Um, you know, I know of uh, one of our ex-clients who uh, only came forward to uh, to seek help when um, her son um, started to exhibit the behaviour much later in life, and started what she saw in his relationships okay. um, with with girls was the same behaviour, and she realised she needed to seek help herself.
4: All right, we're going to take a quick break now, and when we come back, we'll be talking to to Leandro and Margaret again, and just really asking about what sort of solutions can people put into place personally. Mm-hmm. And moving on to talking about other areas with Rani, other areas where it could be hidden areas where domestic abuse is going on or people are too afraid to set up and, and, and talk. So we're going to have a little track now. It's called Thinking of You by Mabel. And this was requested by Leandra.
6: If you're into me, I'm a 9 05. Been away for a couple of weeks, it could be more, cause I lost track of time. Driving on the wrong side, thinking of you. On the tenth floor, thinking of you. And it isn't like me to be insecure. Oh, what have you done to my mind? Oh, wow. Wanna be with you, wanna be with you. Oh my god, I'm a man. To me. try to forget. Somebody with a fancy house on the plate. Listen to be famous. He took me to the beach. I was thinking of you. Standing in his room, but I was thinking of you. And I don't want you to be insecure. Oh, don't want to play with your mom.
4: Welcome back to Politically Correct on River Radio. That was Thinking of You by Mabel. And let's knock it onto the next track by Mabel. So Thinking of You by Mabel. You're listening to Politically Correct on River Radio. This is the 11th of August, 2021. And today we've been talking about domestic abuse and sexual violence. A large amount of money has been made available by the government to fund a specific set of projects in the Thames Valley area. But we're talking to Margaret Rice-Jones, who's a trustee, at the Boxer Women's Aid, to Leandra Neffin, who is a cognitive behavioural therapist, Rani Singh, who is an independent journalist, but who has a focus on South Asian um, issues in the UK, and Kristen Forster, who amongst other things also does issues and helps re-engineer people's uh, behaviours. So, Leandra, we were talking about people, children, who then grow up, and they have these issues because of their past that hasn't been dealt with. What sort of tools or tricks can you give to people and young people to help them develop that resilience to overcome the past?
5: Um. Yeah, I was kind of listening to the conversation in relation to kind of ACE studies. And I think it's important just to be really mindful that with the Adverse Childhood Experiences study, we need to be critical because this is kind of a predictive model that works from deficit. Whereas when you think in terms of trauma-informed philosophies and trauma-informed care and approaches and interventions, it's really based on strength. So strength-based approaches. Whereas when we think about ACEs, it can kind of... (laughs) You know, be used in a way that categorizes people, which we've had this conversation, you know, in the past in relation to post-traumatic growth that sometimes out of adversity and challenges, people really come to rise above to higher levels of functioning. Um, so from my end, you know, as a therapist, I generally work on strengths based looking at what areas of their life um, in early life experiences do they have usually at school school schools provide that that safe place of safetyness of um, consistency and so for me I've seen a couple of um, different um, schools put in emotional um Uh, emotional intelligence courses um, identifying healthy boundaries healthy relationships these are things that I think are really important um, particularly in schools because that is for many people their safe space and these are are areas that can actually build upon this strength um, particularly if they're coming from adverse experiences so from my end as a therapist I, I really like to be critical about that you know in terms of how we're using that I've heard you know some really awful stories in terms of mothers expectant mothers being administered an A study and based on their scores, um, you know, social workers were, were getting involved when in reality, when we think about trauma, I think the majority of people because of systems of oppression um, or accidents that may occur have, have experienced trauma in our life. But does that mean we necessarily go on to... Uh, become perpetrators you know a lot of people who have experienced adversity go on to university become social workers become psychologists become mental health therapists become police officers so i really think that you know in terms of using that as a predictive model we do need to be critical about it
4: okay so you are saying though that emotional intelligence and courses relating to that would be of use for children from an, an early age and even to adults as they grow older
5: Absolutely. You know, thinking again, um, building upon resilience capabilities and strengths-based models. Um, I think, you know, the earlier that we can kind of identify and allow children to come to this understanding of, of you know, identifying their emotions, what's healthy, healthy boundaries, healthy relationships uh, is really, you know, key to that. And, and you know, learn and teaching that in the schools is, is a is a great place to start. I'm
4: going to put you on the spot, Leandra. Where can people go to get this sort of training coaching and leading especially if they're adults
5: um so there are a few people that i kind of follow um and that i um you know just dr jessica taylor from victim focus here in the uk is um really great she does a lot of trainings um for different organizations um charities nowadays are really uh involved the domestic abuse charities are are sometimes going into schools to offer um talks or or kind of education around healthy boundaries these are areas that i think you know a lot of charities are, are already implementing so okay um, but i would definitely recommend dr jessica taylor victim focus and looking at her organization she does some really great work okay. um uh particularly around being critical of the ACE studies all right i'm bringing kristen forster here
1: yeah i was just, i i probably couldn't in, endorse you more leander and, and i i um, i, I This is really where I wasn't articulating it very well, but saying in terms of actually trying to to build into young people some of the resilience things that allows them to actually do far better um one, one of the if i just use one story because it really stands out in my mind um because we work in the uh, actually one of the things to do is try and create developmental programs for people's what we were doing with get barkshire active but um, i had some input some years back with her and um, well i had a wonderful little moment which i s- often use with some of the students i teach um, with a lady who'd lived through the rwandan genocide as a child and she'd gone through the worst kind of trauma you could ever imagine she'd um, she'd ended up um, actually marrying one of the aid workers that came out to help rebuild after after that experience. And so she'd come back to the UK, and I'd been employed to kind of give some input and some training. And in the context of that, one of the things I encouraged her to do was to um, to write her story down and um and create a narrative with it, because as I used that before, you can't always change the events, but somehow you can you can put them in a different place and create different meanings out of them. Um, she sent me a copy of the self published book when she did it but it actually got picked up by the Rwandan government um and actually her as as I lost track of her now but my um last I heard she was employed being sent to the villages in the kind of the uh, the equivalent of a sort of a generation after that that those traumatic events um actually um helping with their kind of peace and reconciliation thing and it is that wonderful story as of course nobody would ever want her to have gone through what she went through and yet somehow she found a, a purpose and meaning and incredible power and authority and position because somehow she was able to take those events and, and approach them differently. Um, and you can't create those stories in every case, but the more of those that we can see, uh, you know, that's, that's fantastic. And Okay. Yeah.
4: Brilliant. Thank, thank you for Kristen. Now, I really encourage if you're listening to this program, listen again and listen to some of the advice that each of my fantastic speakers have given now i want to move on on to a slightly different subject now when we look at domestic abuse and we see all of the things on tv and the publicity it looks like a white problem but is it does it affect everyone across the country and every community i am going to introduce rani rani tell us who you are and then i want you to talk about what your thoughts are on whether this crosses cultures
3: sure um Winston, it's great to be here, although it's a very serious and somewhat distressing topic to be discussing today. Um, Within the Asian community, which is my speciality, I'd say abuse goes across the board. And the most important thing um, here within the community is the concept of shame and honor because I've been hearing about funding from Matthew and I've been hearing about great resources that Margaret initiating and the psychological aspect from Leandra and also from Christian um, which which all resonated but the point is how do you break through the cultural issues which are um, first of all kids children just don't know what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable they may know what Comfortable and um, uncomfortable, but they won't know what is right and what's wrong. And for that reason, um, they won't talk. You know how do you how do you break through to them, and how do you how do you identify that? There are two cases that I particularly want to mention. Um, you know, you might think that it was. Prevalent within sort of um, working class or more retiring communities like the Bangladeshis in Tower Hamlet, you know, in East London, for instance, which traditionally and uh, according to the data, suffer um, the most deprivation out of many of the South Asian communities, the, the Indian, the, the Pakistani, the Sri Lankan. Um, but within a middle class, um, Punjabi, North Indian family, in fact, I know of um, a male staff member, a houseboy, um, who was routinely left alone with young children, um, and uh, a boy and a girl. And routinely, he would call call out to them, and he would abuse them, both the girl and the boy separately. And they grew up with great scars, and um, and have very, with great difficulty, spoken about it. They did bring it to the attention of their parents, but there's a whole cultural thing about sexual abuse and sex between first-generation Asians and second and third. And the first generation just found it very, very difficult to talk about or discuss in any kind of empowering or sensitive way, let alone seek therapy or or remedial issues, they basically just face down the house boy with the with the accusations, and which he flatly denied. End of matter, as far as that's concerned. Um, and then there's the and on the other cultural side, there there are things like Asian girl children. Sad to say, even in the UK, are looked on less favourably sometimes in some families than than boys in very very old school traditional families. This is because it's considered that the parents have the responsibility of marrying the girls off and therefore losing them, um, and in fact it being quite expensive with dowries and so on, whereas boys traditionally will stay at home with their elderly parents and look after them and bring in an income. It's very old-fashioned, and it stems from the agricultural community in South Asia, um, but it does knock on to here. So you have this sort of bias against girls as well, or or culturally that Asian girls uh, cannot function without a male, and are in some way subservient. And you can abuse them; you can do th- anything you want to them. Is 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 the kind of thinking in some very very backward thinking families?
4: Um, so Ronnie. Th- that- poses two issues first is how do we let people know that this is wrong and then secondly how do you break into the communities to to give them the help and support that they need
3: i really don't know winston i don't know because of this whole shame and honor thing i don't know how you can even get to talk about it it's a real it's a very very serious conundrum there are a few people who've done research on the subject and then there are a few organizations as well and I'll give out their names there's a um, lecturer at Kent University who's done an MA in Advanced Child Protection called um, Vanisha Jessel and she has started a um, charity called Karma Nirvana that has a, a five day a week helpline from nine till five and the number is zero eight zero zero five triple nine two four seven but you know we're giving it out on a six o'clock radio show you know what are the odds that a child who needs this kind of help will be listening to this
4: i'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to put all of these contact details if you all email me after the show i'll make sure these go out onto river radio and hopefully we can all share them as widely as possible we're coming to the end of this section Ronnie. Tell us how we can contact you, people could contact you for more information if they want to, or even if they want to help.
3: Um, I will I will give you my details as well um, so that you can put them out. Um, there are a couple more organisations, there's Southall Black Sisters and the Asian Counselling Service, and these are all useful contacts. Um, I really, but I give them out with a heavy heart because I don't know if culturally this problem will be solved, I cover South Asia for the news, and almost every time I do a report, rape is one of the issues that's got serious rape. I mean, South Asia is one of the most dangerous countries and areas to live in now. So, you no, know, let it's m- awful.
4: Let me bring in on this, cause Margaret on this. Because, Margaret.
0: I I just want to say that if there's teachers, doctors, people out there who um, have people from the South Asian community that they come into contact with, then we have experience of dealing with honour-based violence, with forced marriage, with FGM. Um, We've dealt with all of those issues um, and do so on a regular basis, so um but you know, please point people in our direction we have people who come from those cultures speak the languages and, and understand how the issues are different and we want run a specialist asian refuge for people needing a uh, a new safe place to live so um i'll i'll make sure you've got our helpline number which is uh, which is available 24 hours a day 7 days a week but people can be assured that we do understand the issues that, uh, you know, you're talking about okay. and, and are very sensitive to
4: them and have dealt with them before. Do you want to give people your contact details or for the Berkshire Women's Aids? Yeah, contact the My um, number is
0: 01189 um, if, 504003. So if you want help or you want to refer someone, that's the best number to go to. If you are interested in our work, want to help, want to donate, want to help in a different way, then our website is the is the best place to look. Or again, if you're concerned about someone and you just want to learn more about um, domestic abuse and how it manifests, our website's a good place to go. But if you're in need and you want to refer someone,
4: please call the helpline. Um, thank you very much, Margaret. Leandra, um, one final point and tell us how um, people can contact you and how what sort of areas you could help with.
5: Uh, Yes, actually, I was just going to build upon um, kind of the, I think it might have been mentioned uh, earlier around social media. Um, I think social media has a huge impact, particularly around education on domestic abuse uh sexual violence, mental health issues, you know, again, follow some of these um pages that are, you know, with a critical lens. Um, but I know a lot of domestic abuse charities and sexual violence charities do have, um, you know, uh, avenues on social media for people to reach out and get get in touch. As far as I'm concerned, um, I'm on all social media platforms. Uh, Leandra Neffen, um, I post a lot of information on various issues around Indigenous a- activism. Um, trauma, intergenerational trauma, and mental health issues. So you can find me on any of those uh, platforms, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Thank you. Uh, Ronnie. how can people contact you?
3: Um, I can, well, I I actually uh, am fortunate enough to be presenting on uh, River Radio with a show on Sunday morning, missing question. So I'll give out my River Radio email, if I may, Ronnie
4: at River.Radio Brilliant, thank you very much for, um, guests, I'm going to come to Kristen next but thank you very much for joining us and talking to us and telling us about some of the issues that um, you can you're helping people with, thank you we're going to go and have a quick track called Everybody's Talking and then we'll be back <laughs>
6: Everybody's talking at me, I can't hear what they say, only the echoes of my mind, people stop and stare, I can't see their faces, only the shadows of their eyes, I'm going where the sun keeps shining Through the pouring rain Going where the weather Suits my clothes Backing off of the northeast wind And sailing on summer breeze Tripping over the ocean Like a stone Oh Oh, oh, oh,
4: I'm going to cut that one short. I'm really sorry, Kristen. That your favorite That's your favourite song. Everybody's talking about <laughs> the beautiful South. But I want to give you a chance to speak. That's been a fantastic subject we've been talking about. With some great speakers there. But we really don't want to sort of miss out on the issue of social media because that was mentioned in relation to sexual abuse and, and trauma and knowing how to negotiate social media. What sort of advice would you give our listeners about dealing with social media and posting on social media and how they take responses?
1: Yeah, so I, 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 I'll speak... Um uh, I, I felt very kind of inadequate really today on the on the show because you have some really um, deeply expert people in in some of the traumatic asper- a- aspects, and whereas most of what I'm doing is I, I'm kind of coaching into s- slightly more normal environments, but actually you see um, how um, we kind of create cultures that miss an awful lot because of the way we speak. Um, and we touched on this actually um, earlier, which is um, research around the world shows most uh, most kind of really big. Um, atrocities start with a use of language um, and it tends to be language that dehumanizes and so on and so forth so at, at a very simple level um, in the introduction to your show you know what sam said was right we we need to to seek first to understand and then to be understood whereas very often we in our kind of insecurities and so on we want to project how we see things and how we understand things um and, and i and because of our, our lack of time i just want to kind of bring out a very kind of a simple thing because um, uh, so during the, the last week in fact, just yesterday, um, I had a response this morning from I've been working with, with two people who um, have gone through an, a, um, an, a trauma situation and an abuse situation, and they're dealing with the institution um, that actually was responsible for their care and failed in that. Um, and um, and and actually, uh, there is a whole new layer of pain that has been reawakened because of the communication <laughs> between the two, uh, which of course um, has been driven really. And you, you have this strange situation where I, I'm going to be ca- I'm really careful not to mention names or divulge <laughs> context, but um, you you have someone who has an awful lot of experience um, and who wants to be pro those who are the survivors. Um, who is operating within an organisation which has some level of kind of working through, not allowing kind of spurious claims to be made and so on, trying to communicate with all the best will in the world and has caused massive amounts and levels of, of hurt. And um, um, one of the things I'm doing at the moment is sitting between the two and trying to explain to both why they misunderstand each other. Um, and um, and actually there is a a whole wisdom which I think... Um, you can't expect everybody to learn but if we can get more people particularly in hr departments and you have more expertise it's a bit like when you run your car um, i need to know how to change the oil put some petrol in and so on but it's nice if i've got a friend who can do a bit more but sometimes i need to go to the garage and if we can kind of create an infrastructure of wisdom and understanding of actually how our conversation affects the culture, and how well-meaning people, even as they communicate, just because of the assumptions they bring to the communication, can actually sometimes cause devastating damage and breakdown, and leading to a claim that suddenly went up by ten times because of the pain felt by the person on one side, and we're all back several years ago. So my my encouragement would really be if you're in if you have HR role or position. Please employ people to teach and coach how to create a better culture with your language.
4: Kristen, we're going to have to bring you back. I have another show on this. I'm so sorry. But tell people how, tell us how we can contact you.
1: So um, you can contact me at, um, so it's Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N, um, at u k.
4: Fantastic. That was Kristen Forster from u k. This was River Radio and the Politically Correct show on Wednesday, the 11th of August. That's it. We've run out of time.